Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,351. Today we're going to light it up. You'll understand what I'm talking about in just a moment. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm uh, rather warm because I'm in the desert in Gilbert, Arizona, with an old longtime friend and a very rare, I call him a four-peter here on Cars Yeah because he's been here a few times, Mitch Williams. Mitch, welcome back to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready. Great to be here. Uh, this is fun, and it's nice to have you back. Now, I do have guests back from time to time because they evolve, they grow, they're doing new things, and you're like Mr. Evolution. You are always doing new things. And I'll tell my listeners, Mitch and I originally met, if my brain is working right here, way back when you worked for Hella. Correct. A long time ago when I was at Grio's Garage and we were buying those Hella horns, which uh, we sold a lot of those. You were a customer of mine, and now I'm a customer of yours. It's just a big circle. <laughs> I know. It's pretty fun. I want to give you a proper introduction, though, to catch up with what you're doing today, because you're part of a, a new role at part of a company. But before I do that, I'm not sure I, if I asked you this last time you're on the show, but I'm going to ask anyway, because things evolve, people grow. What's one little thing that people don't know about you, Mitch? I have driven cross-country 45 times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think it's the last great American adventure. And if you have a good car, if you have a, a, something loaded up with music, your phone loaded up with music, and you're, you plan your stops well, it's, it's just an adventure because you see so many different things and cultures and people, and it's just fantastic. Well, and you can listen to podcasts, of course, too. So there Abs you go. Oh, I've done that a few times. <laughs> I've had some people contact me who are on the road doing cross-country tricks saying, I'm going to try to listen to every one of your shows. I'm driving from Florida to Washington State. And I said, well, if you're not sick of me by then, uh, you never will be. But uh, <laughs> I think that's cool. I just had a, a, a talk with a guy this morning who's originally from Sweden. He's going to be an upcoming guest here on Cars, yeah? And he immigrated here in the 80s and drove all over the country before he decided where to land and start his business. And I'll tell you, he said something interesting as an immigrant. He said, I've been all over the world. There is no other country that is so diverse and has so many different interesting things to see as the United States and so many nice people. So kind of warmed my heart. I, I would agree with that. That's why I do it. I, I, I've never taken the same trip twice. Well, that's cool. That is a lot of cross-country trips. Uh, I'm not surprised, though. Let me introduce you, and we'll talk about what you're doing today. Mitch Williams is the president of Rigid Industries, the leader in off-road performance lighting, specializing in LED technology. His career has included being on a race team pit crew. He raced in SCCA and IMSA and ran the Baja 1000. I drove across the country a lot of times, too, as we just learned. He worked for four of the leading lighting brands, including CB, Marshall, Hella, and now rigid. He was the youngest president in the then 99-year history of Hella. I think you were, what, 32, 34, something like that? 
Yes, 32. Ah, amazing. Those are fun times back then. Mitch built Restoration Parts Unlimited through multiple acquisitions, and RPUI is the largest classic car manufacturer in the world. Uh, he was the CEO of APR. I think last time I was together with you was down there in Georgia at APR, uh, having fun. Also, Dining Engineering, the premier tuners of Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and BMW vehicles. Mitch has also served six terms on the SEMA Board of Directors, including one as Chairman of the Board. He was selected as SEMA's Person of the Year in 2001, and guess what? He will soon be inducted into the SEMA Hall of Fame. Congratulations, my friend. That's so cool. Thank you, sir. It's been a it's been a fantastic journey, and uh, I'm just glad to still be on that journey. <laughs> yeah, SEMA, what a show. I think I've been to 30 of those now, so uh, you and I have walked those halls many, many times. We'll be back in just a minute, so keep your seatbelt buckled. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors. They keep the gas in the tanks here, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Mitch, since you've been on the show before and we've talked about previous companies you've been a major part of, I want to dive right into rigid industries. So let's start with this. I know you've been a lighting guy for a long time. I mean, light, we all, 
have our idiosyncrasies when it comes to cars, but you seem to be migrating all the time towards seeing better, brightening up. Maybe it's all those road trips where you had to brighten up those highways in the middle of the night. Rigid Industries, what brought you to this company? Well, you know, uh, my uh, my first entree into the, the lighting world began when I went to the 24 Hours of Daytona. And it was the first time I'd ever seen cars going really fast at night. And I, I was amazed by it because a properly lit car is actually faster at night than it is in the daytime. And, and I didn't understand that at the time. But, of course, it's because of cooler air at night, more oxygen. You can make more horsepower at night. But I was fascinated by the fact that you can have all this horsepower. You can have a 1,000 horsepower. But if you can't see where you're going, the horsepower is, is useless. So it was that sort of icing on the cake that really attracted me to lighting in the first place. And, of course, there's no better... Uh, example of why you need good lighting than I, either road racing, high-speed road racing, or off-road racing. So Rigid is the leader in performance lighting. Well, we're very strong in the off-road motorsport scene. And about 25 years ago, the lighting world changed. The lighting world was going down a path of high-intensity discharge because LEDs at the time weren't bright enough. But Rigid was very early in realizing that LEDs were changing fast and with the right technology behind them, they could not only equal the performance of HID lighting, but exceed it. And so Rigid has always been an LED company. And today is, the, I think, the highest technology in LED lighting, both on the OEM side and on the aftermarket performance side. Well, no kidding. And if you look at almost all the new cars these days, it's LED. I mean, that's why we're able to get these cars with these very thin lights and these really cool futuristic looking light bars in them and headlights, taillights, all the things. And you guys have quite a range of products. I mean, you got a beautiful website, of course. Thank you. I love it. It's very easy to use. And if you're in the off-road world or off-road world, I should say, if you're in the off-world road, uh, that might be another planet like trying to drive in Mars. You guys have everything from bars to pods. You've got rear-facing lights. You've got fog lights, uh, compliant lights, SAE compliant lights, which is important because mm-hmm. a lot of times people put these crazy lights in their vehicles that blind the poor other person and come the other way, which is mm-hmm. illegal and stupid and dangerous. Rack lights, back lights, vehicle kits and mounts. So how? Well, let's start with this. How long have you been at Rigid? And then we'll talk a little bit about where you want to go with this company. I haven't been at Rigid long, but I feel like I've been headed for Rigid all my life, <laughs> well, certainly all my career. Rigid is sort of the pinnacle of everything I've ever done in lighting in terms of technology, in terms of performance. It's a fantastic team here of really talented people. I may be a little bit biased, but I've never seen a group of people more passionate about the company mission. It's just fun. The fact that we get to go out and play with race cars and we get to play with really high-tech stuff is just kind of makes it even better. I'll give you an example of the kind of stuff that we're just introducing into the market that 20 years ago we couldn't even imagine. So we have a new product called the Adapt Series, and it has three different beam patterns within one light. So when you're going slow, it floods the front of the vehicle with light and puts more light out to the side because, you, you know, you, you're turning and you're going slow and mm-hmm. typically like rock climbing or off-roading, something like that. As you speed up a little bit, it narrows the beam pattern and it gives you more light in front of the vehicle and less light beside the vehicle. And as you speed up again, it gives you even longer distance light and not, even less light beside the vehicle. And it's all done by a GPS chip. There's oh. no, driver, no driver interaction necessary at all. It's, it's incredible. 
Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm taking a peek at it on your website right now. Magical stuff. And especially, you know, I've noticed as I've aged, lighting is more and more important to me. It's harder to see, especially at night. My vision isn't as sharp as it used to be. And having great lights out in front of the car and things in front of you is so important, especially if you're off-road where you don't know what you're about to encounter, right? right? Um, so, so do you also make things for like the normal street guy like me too? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have SAE compliant fog lamps. We offer driving lamps and we offer all types of lighting around the vehicle. So if you've got an RV or a boat or a motorcycle or a UTV or ATV, uh, we make lighting for pretty much any kind of vehicle like that. We also have sister companies by the name of Truck Light who's very strong in the heavy trucking industry. Echo, that's very strong in uh, work lights and in commercial type situations. We have a Lumatech is a sister company. They're in the uh, saltwater marine lighting area. So we have all these other companies that are also high-tech companies where we can pull in technology as it relates to what we're doing here at Rigid. Oh, very cool. Well, this seems like a perfect place at this point in time with your life, as you said, because as I've seen and watched your career, known you for seems like forever now. I mean, you go back to those hella days. I think that was probably 30 years ago. Yeah, about 30 years ago. Holy cow, we're getting old, dude. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was another century, Mark. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was. Di- <laughs> I remember dinosaurs, lights on yes. their heads or something like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Those guys were ornery. They were hard to control. Uh, you really needed good lights for those things. Well, just so many great opportunities here. And, you know, one of the things that I learned about you a long time ago is you originally wanted to get into psychology. And yes. I think this is an interesting topic to talk about because you've created a career around your passion for automobiles. And that's what Cars yeah was really founded on, is people that have figured out a way to do that. And you just keep kind of reinventing yourself and doing that. But I want you to touch on this idea that you wanted to be a psychologist at one time. And you and I joke about the fact that you've owned over 75 cars probably requires <laughs> some paperwork in psychology or maybe a visit to a psychologist. Yes. How is that psychology fascination and all that you learned about that early on helped you in running teams and working with people to get the best that you can get out of them? Well, I think given the right set of circumstances, the vast majority of people will try to do the right thing, the right thing for the company, the right thing for the customer, the right thing for the market. So the challenge is to create those right set of circumstances. And one thing I, I think when my automotive career sort of intersected with my psychology career, I think I realized that all businesses run on the same thing, which is people. So we do spend a lot of time on the product at Rigid and on the technology at Rigid because we're, we're known for that. But I personally also spend a lot of time on the people side of the business because if you can get the people side of the business right – Everything else you want to do is easier. And so to me, to me, the people in a business are the most important asset of the business. Well, most definitely. Uh, I was very gracious that you hired me to come out to APR when you were there and talk with all of your distributors. And mm-hmm. that was the first time I'd ever done that. And I've been able to do it since then, but it was quite fun for me. And I had to figure out what the heck I was going to talk about. And I believe what I talked about was what I'd learned after interviewing so many interesting people mm-hmm. and that secret uh, secret sauce to living a great life. But for you, when it comes to 
motivating people, and this is for people that are listening that have businesses that are trying to figure this out because it really is about the people. What are some of the key factors that you've learned that have been helpful for you to make sure, aside from hiring the right people, that's that's the first step, of course. Uh, I went through some of those learning curves way back in the day of hiring the wrong people. But what are some of the ways that you've learned are helpful for anyone to help other people get on board and do a great job? Well, I think we're an industry that is ready, willing, and able to share what we know, both the the good things we know and the successes we've had, but also the failures we've had. Because there's kind of, uh, you know, there, there's there's two kinds of good decisions. There's do the right thing and there's don't do the wrong thing. Yeah. And But they're both good decisions. And so uh, I, I like to think that one of the advantages of getting older is hopefully you've already made all the mistakes and now you're on the home stretch of just doing, making good decisions. I encourage young people who, who come to me because I did it for, for people who are older than I was when I got into the industry. I encourage them to only work on the stuff that matters. And, and if we look at our daily work, we'll find that we're working on a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. Um, if you can't find it on the P&L, then maybe you should ask yourself why you're doing it. Work on the big stuff first because it's not the little stuff that's going to that's gonna harm the business. It's the big stuff. Prioritize everything. There, there's always something that's a little bit more important than the next thing. But if you can teach yourself, if you can be disciplined enough to go in order of importance, you'll always get the biggest bang for your, your time, which is getting knocking out the, the more important stuff first. Um, I encourage young people to be decisive because um, I'm a big Theodore Roosevelt fan, and Theodore Roosevelt said, in times of great decision, the best thing you can do is to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. The next best thing you can do is make the wrong decision because you can stop and fix that, and the worst possible thing you can do is nothing. Yeah. So so I, I encourage them not to be afraid of failure because failure is a great learning opportunity that will lead you to success. And so uh, don't take failure too personally. Don't take success too personally. You know, I don't, I don't read my, my own press releases. I, I hate reading my own press releases because it, it, it might lead you to believe you're more important than you really are. <laughs> Nicely <laughs> so. said. I understand. Well, I love the decision comment because I think we've all worked for companies where the leaders can't make a decision and you keep sitting there going, why don't you just do something? I mean, just decide because we're just sitting here floundering. Yeah. It's like being in a boat saying, well, do we row or do we? Yeah. I think that's really important. You know, going back to Rigid, I've seen that name around for so long. This is a company that's been around for how many years? Uh, about We're right at 20 years now. Yeah. So I've seen them at this many SEMA shows I've gone to. I've seen them on some wonderful vehicles and people that I've had on the show that have off-road companies that put your products on their, their vehicles. And I've seen C uh, Rigid at SEMA, like I mentioned, and I wanted to touch on this inductee that you're going to be to the SEMA Hall of Fame. Now, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your first year impression of why SEMA is so important in the industry, especially for a company like Rigid. I mean, it's, it's such a perfect fit. And then I want to ask you, how's it feel to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? But let's start with, with SEMA because it's so important to the industry. So SEMA is about a $50 billion retail industry. I describe SEMA as the largest collection of people in the world doing something they truly love. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anyone actively employed in the SEMA industry that's there because they have to have a job. They're there because that's where they want to be. And so automatically we can get a lot of things done because we all want to be there, you know, and we're all happy to be there. And if we could afford it, we'd be there for free. So I think with SEMA, it's very, very important to have an industry association that speaks with one voice. And the reason for that is SEMA 
it's a $50 billion industry, but it's actually about 10, $5 billion sub-industries. So, and the off-road market is very different from the classic car market. It's very different from the performance market. It's very different from the motorsports market. It's different, again, from the 12-volt, you know, uh, car stereo type market and alarm market. So, it, it's all these sub-markets that still need one parent that can protect them in, in case of legal threats from the government or legislative threats from the government, but also can speak with a loud voice because SEMA is very well funded and is probably one of the probably one of the top three lobbies in Washington. Despite what we might think of Washington, there are a lot of supporters of the automotive industry in Washington, but you have to find them. Yeah. And yeah, get them on your side for sure. Yes. And going back to this uh, incredible honor, well-earned though, of being inducted into the SEMA Hall of Fame, what does that mean to you? Thank you for that, Mark. I'm not sure it's sunk in yet. I, I'll be <laughs> inducted in about three weeks. Cool. I'm not sure how you repay an industry that taught you how to dream and then showed you the path to that dream. And then my, my goal when I got into the industry was if I could just participate in the industry, that would be enough. That would be a dream come true. And then SEMA came to me and said, hey, we want you to lead the parade. We want you to be the drum major. And I thought, oh, wow, life doesn't get any better than this. That's a dream come true. And now SEMA has said, hey, you did something worthwhile in your career. So we think you should be in the SEMA Hall of Fame. And now that's a dream come true. So, you know, when you have an industry that taught you how to dream and then showed you how to get to that dream four times, I just don't I don't know how you ever repay that. And I don't think I ever can. I just have to keep trying. Well, I think you already have in many, many ways. You're probably just not seeing it from that perspective, but that's how you end up where you end up uh, being inducted into the SEMA Hall of Fame. So congratulations. Thank you very much for that. I will say this. the One of the most fascinating and incredible things about the SEMA Hall of Fame is, you know, if you go through your career, you're lucky if you meet your heroes one time, two times, maybe three times. I know a hundred of my heroes. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what kind of problem I have in business. I know somebody who's already dealt with that problem, already conquered that problem, and already mastered that problem. So it, it's, it's a really uh, amazing group of people that will, will share their knowledge. And when I started this podcast, I had to figure out my Simon Sinek why. Why am I doing this? And mm -hmm. the reason I, well, many reasons I started, but one was to show other people who want to have as much fun as people like you and I are having in our careers and our lives. They might have very successful careers, but they're not really happy and they're not fulfilling. Mm -hmm. They live for their weekends when they can play with cars or retirement when you can play with cars. Well, that might not come someday. So you need to live life now. And I went to my first SEMA show. I was working, I worked for 11 years in advertising and I was recruited by a startup, Griot's Garage. Mm -hmm. uh, they were very beginning, only about three people working in the company. And I had landed them as a catalog business. We design catalogs. And Richard Griot said, hey, I want you to go to the SEMA show. I don't have time. And I said, oh, I've always heard about this. Now, this was 30... Now, it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I've been gone from Griot's for 10 years now. At any rate, I went to Las Vegas and I started walking around and... I think he knew what he was doing because I was changing from a career that I was very solid into this little startup company that I had no idea was going to be successful, but it was cars. Sounded cool, but it was scary. I had a new house, new baby. My wife had just retired and was staying home to take care of our kids. And I'm like, gosh, what if this doesn't work? And after spending two days at SEMA 
and talking to people, I went, this is an industry I want to be in. Everybody here is happy. They are. Right? I mean, you go to other trade shows, and it's like the toilet bowl trade show, <laughs> maybe not so much fun, yeah. you know? So um, for you listeners out there, if you want to get into the car industry, get involved with SEMA. And they have a great place where you can go. And if you're looking for jobs, I mean, they're so supportive in so many ways. I've had many people, many directors from SEMA on the show. Earlier this year, I had the, uh, the current director of SEMA on the show. So there you go. I want to talk a little bit more about you and cars, though, because you and I share a lot of similarities in the things we like, but cars. And you've had, I mentioned, 75 plus cars. Mm -hmm. If you had to think about, now there's probably more than one, but one just for today that really stands out in your mind. Which ride was it? And tell us a story about it. So- it's a 2001 Porsche 911. It wasn't necessarily the fanciest car or the fastest car I ever owned, but it was a special car because it was my first water-cooled 911. And um, I drove in that car. From I set my personal cross-country record in that car. Oh, wow. I left uh, Pasadena, California at 4 a.m. on Monday morning. And I was in Atlanta, Georgia at 8 p.m. Tuesday night. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whoa. And I don't know there's too many cars that you could do that in. Now, I was very careful not to hit any, you know, big city rush hours. And you have to conv you have to combine bathroom, fuel, and, and food stops. <laughs> yeah. And there's not a lot of food. You, you can't afford a slow meal. So, <laughs> But I, I, I did it in 40 hours, and that included a six-hour nap in Oklahoma City. The only reason I actually – the car was so good. I actually took the six-hour nap strictly as a precautionary measure. I didn't really think I needed it. When I got to Atlanta, I think I could have gone all the way to the Atlantic, which is another four or five hours. I could have wow. done it easily in that car. So, you know, when, you, when you're alone for that amount of time, you get to think about a lot of stuff. You listen to a lot of good music. You listen to some podcasts. And, uh, and, and you, you really get in touch with what's important to yourself, these kinds, of, these kinds of rich experiences in life. And they're all around us all the time. If we just, if we just are willing to pause and, and go partake in them. Wow. Holy mackerel. Were you by yourself? Yes, by myself. Wow. There you go. Well, that's another interesting thing to do is, is do these treks. I've heard people that do that in cars or they go hiking by themselves. You can really start to reflect on things. Am I saying that word right? Be internal, you know, yes. kind of get into your own head and think about a lot of stuff and what do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to go? And nothing more fun than doing that in a Porsche 911 for sure. Oh, very cool. Well, car psychology since you like psychology, I kind of like car psychology. I'm a bit of a car psychologist. And I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here. Yeah, this is interesting. If you were reincarnated today with all this knowledge you have, who you've become over time as you've grown and expanded, not what you want to be though. This is how you perceive yourself. So you got to be a little deep and honest on this one as the man in the mirror. What would you be? What car? Yeah. I would be, um, well, the, the predecessor of my car, but I would be a Ford GT40, hmm. and I would be part of the Carroll Shelby Lamont effort in the mid-60s <laughs> because I think I, I, there are very few things other than maybe the old Apollo program going to the moon, now probably going to Mars. There are very few things that mankind has ever done where money was no object. It, it, the only thing that mattered was the mission, and, and I think what Ford did back in the 60s probably will never be repeated. And, and I'm not sure it could be repeated because I, I believe those people, and you can probably imagine what my favorite movie is, <laughs> but I, I, I believe those people must have known they were making history. And they weren't just making automotive history. They were making American history. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. 
when you go back, and I've had some real old timers that worked with Carol back in the day, a lot of people on the show that knew him quite well and mm -hmm. the stories. And I had a wonderful evening since you're living there in Arizona. I was in Henderson, Nevada with uh, Peter Brock and his wife, Gail. My wife and I spent the weekend with oh, yes. at their home. And we're sitting out there looking over the strip lights, you know, Las Vegas. And I said, Peter, what was it like to work with Carol Shelby? And he just goes, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> and just shared some incredible stories. It's one of those pinch me moments going, how did I get here with Peter Brock hearing firsthand story about working with Carol Shelby? Pretty amazing thing, but uh, I could see you as that. Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I met Peter through SEMA. We were, we were both at a SEMA function mm -hmm. and I had gone from the kid at home building Daytona coupes to, uh, to I'm sitting in the same banquet hall you know, a few tables away is, is Pete, Pete Brock. And so I, I, you know, I had to go over and, you know, I think I went over and said something like, I hope you realize how many people in this room have had great careers because of you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was very appreciative. Well, of course. Yeah. He's that kind of guy. Yeah. He's uh he's just such an interesting man. And, uh, you know, I didn't know, I've had him on the show a few times that he was involved in hang gliders. Oh yes. Yeah. Broke records, uh, hang glider design and so forth. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, he's just a very, very creative person. I love it. Okay. And, and, and he's been a big part of, of automotive history in so many different ways and on so many different levels. Yes. Oh yeah. It's just incredible. All the things he's had his hands to do. And, he, and he, he has some very interesting hobbies too that are outside of the automotive world that you just mm -hmm. go, wow, that's kind of cool. So uh, yeah, great guy. I, just, I talked to him just the other night. So great reading. Um, since you've last been on the show before, has there been a great book you might share? Maybe something about how to run a business or self-help or? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question, Mark. <laughs> so I just finished reading a book by Admiral William McRaven. Now, he was, he's a U.S. Navy retired admiral. He was the um, commanding officer, not on the ground of SEAL Team 6, but a few levels above that. And he has written a book called The Wisdom of the Bullfrog. And it, it refers back to becoming a frogman if you're a Navy SEAL. And the book is not real heavy on military sort of history. It's very deep in leadership. And so many different things that he brings to light in the book actually apply quite well in, in, uh, in business. And I, I'm a proponent of help, trying to help people understand, uh, including myself, the difference between leadership and manager management, um, because there is a difference. Great companies are not built by managers. They're built by leaders. So I encourage leadership at all levels of any company that I'm involved in. And, uh, and, I, and when I see good leadership, oh man, I run toward it and reward it. Well, no one's ever recommended that book, so I've got to go get my hands on that. That sounds absolutely wonderful. I'm going to share that with my son and daughter. They both love to read lots of books, and uh, I think there's a lot to learn from that. And my next-door neighbor, who's retired military, he loves books as well. So definitely we'll look that up, The Wisdom of the Bullfrog. If the title doesn't grab you, I don't know. Well, the tagline, the tagline says, leadership made simple, but not easy. Well, yeah. yeah. So he, he doesn't shy away from the fact that being a leader isn't the easiest path through life. It's just worth it. Most definitely. And you're right about that comment. Great companies are built by great leaders for sure. So for a guy that's been on many drives across the country, many times on the track, uh, I'm going to enable you to go on another drive. I'm going to twist this question up a little bit. I'm going to allow you to go on a drive across the country, but I'm going to park any car in the world 
in your driveway. And here's the key part of this. I'm going to make it so you don't have to worry about speed limits. You don't have to worry about hitting anybody. I'm going to have the magical opening like Moses spreading the water, uh, the opening of the highway across the country. What would an ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? Well, I'm counting on you to pull this oh, off. Okay. Oh my gosh. The pressure's on. I, you know, be careful what you promise. You might yeah, have to I know, supply I it. I would probably pick a street legal as much as possible. Porsche 935. Uh, probably a Kramer K4. Uh, maybe a Moby Dick long tail version. Uh, I kind of thought that was the ultimate. I, I almost th- I would say it was the ultimate Porsche 911, which it probably was. But the car the car could take a pretty good driver and make them a great driver because the the car was just such a great race car. Yeah, you know, I just had a a great guest on the show who worked at Brumos from day mm-hmm. one and actually built the first car that Hurley Haywood went and learned how to be a race car driver in racing school uh, on the show here just a couple of weeks ago. And you talk about all the different cars uh, that Brumos ran and the 935s, of course, uh, just super, super special. Yeah, boy, I'm going to buy you some earplugs though, because those are, it's going to be a loud drive, but. <laughs> it will be. I was there right at the beginning of Brumos's transition into, away from the RSRs and into the 934s and then later 935s and, and even beyond that, 917s. I was looking at my, my old set of pictures the other day, and I have some beautiful, wonderful pictures of Peter Gregg and Hurley Haywood at the first Daytona 24 hours I went to, but also with an identical car was. A Roger Penske entered uh, Mark Donahue. Uh, oh, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. RSR, and I just I I saw something being done better than I'd ever seen it done before with both Penske and Brumos, and I just said, you know what, um, these guys have it figured out. If I can if I can hang around and copy things that I learned from them, I'm going to be a better car builder. I'm going to be a better race car driver. I'm going to be a more knowledgeable automotive expert. And and so I, I've always tried to do that. But but Brumos and Penske were uh, as good as it gets in racing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, that was a fun answer to a, a magical question. I've got I've received a lot of interesting comments, but since I I kind of had the uh, magical ability to open up the highway, so you didn't have to worry about you know people are hitting somebody or, you know, the craziness that goes on or the, or the blue lights in the rearview mirror, because I'm guessing in that car, you're going to get pulled over a lot uh, of just opening it up wide. You know, I know we've, we've had these people that do the gumball rallies and there's been some world record times done. Now that's a different thing. I'm not so sure. I think that's really a smart thing to do, but I'll leave that out there. But that's kind of a seventies thing. These uh, days. Yeah, I think so. There's still people doing it though. And they're, yeah. they're doing it in fast speeds. It just worries me with, all the inattentive drivers we have these days and hitting somebody and, and killing somebody. But well, texting and driving changed everything. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I just uh, talked with a, a law office this morning. I may be having a guest on the show. Who's an expert on this about um, some new laws that are coming into place in some places, but I, I I'm steering down a, another course here, but don't you find it interesting that all these laws are getting us off our phones, which is important while they're basically putting iPads in cars. Right. You know, so yeah, it's uh you know, <laughs> the day is coming when uh, you don't have, you're not going to have a toolbox to work on your car. You're going to have a laptop. Well, it's kind of already here with Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure I'm ready for that, but yeah. I, I also know it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. Well, let me ask you this. That while we're talking about driving the Moby Dick or a Kramer 935 across the country, if, if you had this freeways open, how fast do you think you could do that? Well, so we're looking at... How many miles from New York City to 
Santa You're Monica. looking at 2,200 miles from, let's say, L.A. to Atlanta. So you could do it in uh, – you'd have to stop for fuel, but yeah. you, hopefully you have a pit crew. You could do it in, in uh, well, let's see, about 11 hours. Okay. Well, you listeners out there, I'd like to hear you some comments on Mitch's show notes page. What do you think? Show me the math. Um, wow. That would when, be... are, when are we leaving? <laughs> oh, I'm going with you. I don't know. I'm not very... Well, I guess I'd have to drive. I'm not very good in the right seat. Um, I get a little nervous, but if I'm driving, I'm fine. So as long as you let me do some of the driving, I think we're okay. I'm not a good passenger. I'm a much better driver. Yeah. I, I'm not a good passenger. Yeah, I, maybe we'll take two cars and see who gets there first. I, have a I don't know. They have, pretty, <laughs> they have pretty big rabbits in Texas. I'd, I'd be a little worried about that. Yeah. You know, I was in Germany once on a photo rally that left the Porsche factory and they 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 put me with a guy who was a retired Air Force general who had a brand new Porsche Turbo. And I got in the car with him and I said, this will be a fun day. I'd never done one of this. And he, I said, how long have you had your car? And he goes, well, I just got it because I totaled my other one. Oh. Now, at, th- at that point, you go, why am I in the car with you? Which is exactly. what, I, what exactly. I said. And he goes, well, Mark, he said it wasn't my fault. And I go, yeah, it never is. Uh, he said, I was on the Autobahn going very fast, probably over 130 miles an hour, and a fox ran out in front of me. Oh, man. And at that speed, you do not swerve. No. You just hit it. But the fox, instead of, you know, there's no grill on a 911. So it went under the car, lifted the car enough to catch air, and he went off-road and rolled it. Oh, man. Now, he, he survived. He goes, I got bruised up, but I didn't die. My, if you saw a picture, and he showed me a picture. It looks like he should, would have been dead. But he said, the car protected me. But he said, that's the, you know, you say you can drive fast, but foxes, rabbits, jackalopes. I think they have those in Arizona. You know, you, know? <laughs> you raise an interesting point because when I set my personal cross-country record, you don't have to drive 150 miles an hour because mm-hmm. in a lot of places you can't. But it's all about it's all about keeping your average speed up and minimizing your stops. Ah, there you and go. so when I was driving cross-country, I was probably 80 miles an hour a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's, that's you know, that's kind of Autobahn speed, but it's still a safe speed, and it's a very manageable speed, and you can make great time. Well, we'll have to set that up, get my big checkbook out here. First, we got to find the cars. <laughs> yep. Some great auctions coming up here uh, during Monterey Car Week, so I'm sure that we could get our hands on something. And I know a lot of great auction houses. I just had some guys from RM Sotheby's on the show, so there you yep. go. So before I let you go today, this has been great. You and I could talk forever. Uh, what's maybe uh, a parting thought of advice or wisdom you might leave us with today, Mitch? I learned this from an unlikely source, and I've got a couple, if you don't mind. Of course. I went to Sunday school at Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia, and I I was fortunate to hear Jimmy Carter's teach a Sunday school class. Oh, wow. And someone, and he always took questions. He always did two things. He always asked, where are people from in the, in the, the congregation? And they were from all over the world and all over the country. Then he took questions at the end of um, uh, his, his speech or his talk. And uh, I don't know if you if you're aware of this or not, but Abraham Lincoln used to allow private citizens to come and meet with him at the White House. And so, you know, it's kind of that same tradition of I'm a servant of the people. And so someone raised their hand and said, how do you change the world? And I thought that was a pretty interesting question. And he smiled and he said, you change the world one person at a time. And I thought, you know what? That's the right answer. And if we all if we all live that way. You know, he's certainly done a good job of doing that since he left the White House. If we all lived that way, I think we'd have a better world. The other one I would add is I think a, a good plan in life, and I think it applies to business. I think it applies to friendships. I think it applies to probably spouses and partners, but it's to give more than you take. And, and I think that's kind of 
my was my sort of plan with SEMA. I always felt like I, I no matter what I gave, I always got more than that back. And I just tried to always keep the balance in in favor of giving more than you take. And then the other one I learned was from Truett Cathy, who's the founder of Chick-fil-A. And Truett was giving a speech one time, and he said, if you remember your life in these in this order, you'll lead a, a very happy, fulfilled life. And he said, keep faith first, keep other people second, and keep yourself third. Hmm. And I thought, that's pretty good advice. Yeah, it goes back to the give more than you uh, take my grandfather, my grandparents were married over 70 years. And wow. when my wife and I got married and we'll be celebrating 39 years coming up in September, I said, grandpa, what's the secret to having a great marriage? And he said, oh, that's easy, Mark. Just do everything she tells you to do. <laughs> and my grandmother jabbed him in the ribs and said, don't lie to the boy, Bill. And my grandfather was always a pretty jovial guy. He was a farmer in Texas, hardest working person ever. I mm-hmm. remember he could do one-arm pull-ups in his barn when I was in junior high visiting him. I think I could only do maybe three or four, and I was pretty strong surfing every day. But he got very serious, and he said what you said. He said, Mark, if you are both willing to give more than you expect back from the other person, you will have a blissful life. And that works with your friends and your community as well. It does. And, and I think it's, uh, you know, there's wisdom all around us about life and about business and about relationships. And a lot of times I think we're so busy, you know, we're so busy uh, admiring the trees, we forget what the forest looks like. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Another great one. How can people learn a lot more about Rigid Industries? Rigidindustries.com. We will be putting a new website up called rigidnation.com and rigid nation is going to be a place it's going to be a community for people who love off-roading people who love lighting people who love rigid to kind of go and and uh, share their thoughts and their likes and their interests and post pictures of their vehicles and it's going to be like a a virtual uh, uh, cars and coffee Oh, I like it. Do we have a time frame of where you think that'll be up so people can go and subscribe and join? Well, we don't, but if if we can stop doing all these foolish cross-country drives and the one-arm pull-ups, <laughs> yeah. I might be able to get to it sooner. Okay, so, and get you get back to work and off the phone with me today. So <laughs> It's very early in, in the development, but it's something we really believe in. We we believe that our real boss is the consumer that, that loves our products, and we just try to always remember that and don't ever forget it. Well, I'll also remind you, listeners, if you go to rigidindustries.com uh, down at the bottom, there's a place to sign up with them. And I'm going to do that right now so that oh, I please what's do coming up. So there you go. I'm signed up. So you can sign up. You can get emails to them and see what they're doing and get alerts so you do not forget them. But I think after this talk with someone like Mitch, you shouldn't forget them at all. So there you go. Mitch, this was wonderful. Thank you for returning. And it's like talking with an old friend, which, of course, I am today. So cool to have you back. Again, congratulations on being inducted into the SEMA Hall of Fame. Now I can say I know a superstar. Yeah, I know a lot of superstars. I think I'm pretty lucky with what I'm doing. I was going to say, you can already say that. Yeah, absolutely. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Let's don't wait till another century to do this again. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Mark. In my honor. This has been great. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah! supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. 
Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology. It's in high demand. You get paid really well. And you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles. And you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Yeah. 